So when I was growing up, there were games on the playground that I enjoyed. I, I loved kickball. I, I was a kickball champion. Foursquare, I, I, could, I could get into foursquare a little bit. Tetherball, kind of be honest with you, tetherball not so much. Okay? Tetherball, the ball basically goes around a pole. And uh, tetherball I did, never did a whole lot for me. But the, the, the game that I disliked, I think, the most was this issue of hopscotch. Hopscotch was a girl's game. Right? It absolutely was, I wanted no part of it. Now, the truth is this. I didn't like hopscotch because I had a real problem with this and then this and then and, and no matter how hard I tried, I always seemed to step over the lines, which meant that I had to start over again. Stepping over the lines. We kind of feel like we do that in life, a lot in life, don't we? Where we feel like we, we step over the lines, which means that we have to go back to the beginning. Here's what people worry about. They worry about when it comes to this, this thing of being connected with God, Walking with God and living with God, we get concerned about stepping over the lines, right? One of the big questions that I'm often asked as, as a pastor is this, pastor, how can I know God's will? How, how can I know that I'm living the life that he's called me to live? How can I know that, he's, that I'm doing what he wants me to do? How can I know that I'm making the decisions that are pleasing to him? How in the world can I know this big thing called God's will? You know what I… You know what I love about God is this, is God wants to reveal himself to us and he wants to reveal his plan to us. That's the reason why Romans chapter 12 tells us this. Paul says this at the beginning of Romans 12. He says, therefore brothers, or therefore brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in, in all of God, in all that God has done, it makes sense to do this, to present ourselves, to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, right? This is a, it's a good thing to do. It's the right thing to do, right? It's a good and pleasing thing to do. And, and if, if we do this, we're supposed to do it because it's, it's a reasonable expression of service or a, a reasonable expression of worship. And walking in that, it's important that, that, we, that we don't conform to the, to the patterns of this world, but instead that we allow ourselves to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And, and if we do that, if we present ourselves as a living sacrifice, right? and, and, we, and we don't conform to the patterns of this world, but instead we allow God's transformative work to happen in us, here's what Romans 12 tells us. It tells us that then we will be able to test and approve. Test and approve. I want you to say that with me. Ready on the count of three. One, two, three. Test and approve. Come on, you can do it. Test and approve. God's Word says that if we don't conform to the patterns of this world, but we, be, we allow ourselves to be transformed, now what puts us in a position to be transformed? It's giving ourselves to God, presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice. Then we will be able to test and approve what God's will is. You see, it is not some big mystery to know what God's plan is for your life. It's not some uh, big mystery to know what God's direction is for your day. And God wants us to walk in wisdom. He wants us to walk in understanding. And he wants us to walk right in the middle of his plan. Now, I want to let you in on a little secret. Are you ready? 
God knows the mistakes that you're going to make. God knows the side steps that are going to happen in your life. And God is absolutely prepared for it. I tell, I tell this story from time to time. When I was a, a freshman in high school, I was out sailing with my brother. And it was the first time uh, that I'd ever uh, been on a sailboat. I, I'd, I'd been on a boat a number of times. It was the first time I'd ever been on a sailboat. My brother lived in New Orleans and, and we, were, we were out sailing on Lake Pontchartrain. And can I tell you, as a, as a 14-year-old kid, uh, to be out on a, 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 this, this large sailboat and, and to, have, to have somebody say to you, hey, I want you to take the wheel. That's both one of those moments of absolute exhilaration and also sheer panic. Right? So this is my brother's boat. It's the first time I'm on the boat and he's going to let me have control of the wheel because he needs to do something on the front of the boat. And he gives, me this, he gives me this instruction. This is the only thing that he tells me. He says, okay, what I want you to do is just keep the boat on this compass heading. So he's up doing something on the front of the boat and I look down and we are off that compass heading. Now I do what every good sailor would do, right? I spin that wheel. Right? And the boat lurches. You know, he almost falls off the boat. He, he's, he's able to grab a, a, a rope, right? And he's hanging off the side of the boat. He shares a couple of words with me that I won't share with you this morning. And he's like, well, what are you doing? I said, I just, I, I was off the compass heading. And he goes, listen, don't ever do that. Never do that. He said, when you're on a boat, you don't travel in a straight line. He said, so here's... Here's what you need to do. He said, when you're, when you're out sailing and you can see something on the horizon, sail towards that point. Don't worry about what the compass says at this point. Just sail towards that point. Sail towards that objective. And he said, if you're, if you're out and you're, and, and, and you're sailing and you can't see, there's nothing on the horizon but water. He said, at that point then, you think about where the sun is in the, in, in the sky or where the stars are in the sky and you, you somewhat navigate with that. He said, because here's what's going to happen. The, both the winds and the waves are going to push you back and forth. I have found that that same thing is true in life. It seems like the winds and the waves will push me back and forth. And what's important is not what my compass heading says right now. It's making sure that I have my eyes on the destination. Right? This is the reason why God's Word says this. It says that we are, to, we are supposed to fix our eyes on Jesus. The author and the perfecter of our faith. And, and when we do that, what it does is it, it keeps us going in the direction that God has for us. And you can, you can trust him in that. You can trust him in that. Let's talk about this, 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 this issue of, of knowing God's will. All right? How can I know God's will? Pastor, how can I know God's will in relation to my job? How can I know God's will in relation to family? How can I know God's will in relation to, to relationships? How can I know God's will? Well, we find the answer to this, quite honestly, right there in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Right? Because here's what it says at the end of verse 2. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, let me, let me, just, let me just offer this to you. 
I've heard people say that there are three different levels of God's will. His good will, his pleasing will, and his perfect will. That is not the case. What, what Paul is writing about there, he's giving you three different descriptors of what God's will is. It's good, it's pleasing, it's perfect. All right? There is God's will. And God has a design for you. God has a plan for you. And God wants you to know that. He wants you to be able to test and approve God's will. He wants you to walk in it. So how do we do this? Well, here's what it tells us in Romans chapter 12. It tells us the first thing that we've got to do is we've got to be conscious of God's character. Okay? We have to be conscious of God's character. That's the reason why the Apostle Paul says this. He says, therefore, in view of God's mercy. One of the things that I, that I don't like about, about technology okay, is, and especially the issue of texting, right? Have you ever had this happen to you where you sent a text and you were surprised by the response that you got back and you had to explain to the person, that was not what I meant at all. Now, I can send emojis with a text right? That'll give you somewhat of an idea of what I'm feeling, where I'm at in this, what my disposition, what my posture is towards the topic at hand, or my posture towards you in general. But, but words on a screen and even words on a page, sometimes it's a very difficult to communicate tone. And it's very easy to get confused. And, and here's Here's what I want to offer you. I want to offer you this. It's very easy if you just pick out little portions of God's word to you. It's real easy to misunderstand them. It's really easy to misconstrue them. If you don't understand the character of God. Right? If you don't understand the, the character of God, what you can do is you can misread a lot of the things that God says to us in this word. We can even misconstrue the things that God will say to us as he speaks to us individually, as he brings a prophetic word for us. We can misconstrue what, is, what it is that God's wanting to say to us. But understand this, friend, that God will never communicate contrary to his character. And so it's very important that we understand God's character. And here's what the Apostle Paul says. He says, therefore, in view of God's mercy... In view of the disposition God takes towards you, the view that God has of you. And so when God looks at you, here's what he sees. He sees his child, right? He sees his beloved. He sees a person that he has paid a very high price to redeem. When God sees you, he sees you through eyes of grace, he sees you through a lens of mercy. And when we understand that, when we understand that as far as the east is from the west, that that's how far God has removed our sins or our transgressions from us. And we understand how he, how he looks upon us. It should then impact the way that we take his word to us. Right? Here's the thing, God is not this big bloodshot eyeball on the sky, lightning bolt in hand, waiting for you to do something bad to where he can zap you. That's not the posture of God. That has never been the disposition of God. Now, here's what we do understand. We understand that the wrath of God is revealed and the wrath of God is deserved. 
but even the issue of the wrath of God. Any, anyone that's here that has been in the role of a parent understands that even in those moments of wrath, those moments of wrath are not an indicator of the totality of our character. But just say that's true. In those moments when you've had to discipline your child, even sternly discipline your child, is that your posture towards them? Is that your disposition towards them? I certainly hope that's not the case. And I'm, I'm believing that it's not the case. I can tell you this. In, 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 my, in my role as a parent, there have been moments where I've had to be very firm to my, to my children, where I've had to give stern correction to them. But that was not my heart towards them. And I've endeavored as a father to demonstrate that love in a very overt fashion. I, I, I've, I've endeavored to demonstrate that to where they would never doubt the depths of the love that I have towards them. It would, it would make sense, wouldn't it, for God to do that same thing, right? For God to demonstrate in some overt fashion how how insanely crazy he is about you. How much he loves you. Let's see, what would be a way that God could do that? I, I, I know, how about this? How about for God so loved the world? And so, when we understand God's character, it will impact and influence our understanding of what he's wanting to communicate to us. Therefore, in view of God's mercy, it's, it's very important that I'm conscious of God's character. Because it really does help me to understand his plan. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. Pastor, you don't know what I've done. You're right, I don't. But God does. And God loves you. You, you don't you don't, you don't know where I've been. You're right, I don't. God loves you. You don't know the things that I have said in opposition to God. You're right, I don't, but God does. And God loves you. There is nothing that you can do that diminishes God's love. Because let me tell you this and hopefully set you free. It's not about you. It's not about you. Okay, that's how great God is, and that's how massive His love is. So therefore, in view of God's mercy, it's important that I, that I, that I, that I have a, a conscious understanding of God's character. Now, in having a conscious understanding of God's character, I, I, then, I then have the ability to discern His will right? To comprehend, to comprehend His will and to walk in His will. Whether or not I'm willing to engage in that, that's a different story. It's a different story. And, and oftentimes what happens is this, when we have questions regarding God's will, it, it's an issue of something of, with, with specificity in our lives, right? I don't know if God would have me buy the green car or the blue car? You ever had that conversation? You ever wondered? Let me help you. Hopefully set you free a little bit this morning. I think that oftentimes God doesn't care if you buy the green car or the blue car. Are you with me? 
I don't know if you've ever had this conversation with, with, with a child, with a grandchild in your home, where they come to you and they say, hey, there are popsicles in the freezer. Can I have a popsicle? Sure. Can I have a red one or a blue one? I, I don't care. Just have one. Anybody else ever had that conversation? Okay. I had that conversation many times with my children. Actually, I would say this. I don't care what you have as long as you don't touch the blue ones because I do love the blue ones. <laughs> I have to tell you the story real quick. You know the, the real cheap plastic kind of push-up popsicles? So Jody would buy those for the children. <laughs> for the children. And, um, and so we would always have those in, in, our, in, in our freezer. And I was working through a, a sore throat one day. And, uh, and I went and I got one of those blue popsicles because they are seriously my favorite. And uh, it just felt so good on my throat. Right? And, uh, and, and, and if, if one's going to feel good on your throat, two are going to feel better. Well, about 16 popsicles in. What I didn't realize this, I didn't realize that eating those popsicles that I had basically frozen my mouth and I would be, I was sucking on those things, on the plastic, right? As my mouth thought, I realized I had cut both sides of my mouth. Yeah, and uh, th I think that was the last time I had those popsicles and, and we don't allow them in our home anymore because they're dangerous. They should come with, why don't those come with a warning label? Right? Warning, if you eat more than a dozen of these at one sitting, you can potentially… But that issue, that issue of God's will, right? And, and being able to understand and, and, and discern God's will. Here's, here's what I want to help you with. Are you ready? I believe this. I believe that there are three elements to the will of God. Okay? The universal will of God, the general will of God, and the specific will of God. And oftentimes, we, tr we struggle with understanding the specific will of God because we're not walking in the general will of God and haven't embraced the universal will of God. Let me give that to you again because I believe this. I believe this is a profoundly important axiomatic principle. I believe that if you, if you grasp this, that it can really be of great benefit to you. Okay? We oftentimes struggle in the in the specific areas of our life, understanding God's specific will. And the vast majority of the time when we're struggling to understand the specific will, what God wants in a, on a specific issue, it's because we have failed to walk in God's general will or embrace His universal will. Let me, let me break this down. Let me explain it to you. The universal will of God there are, there, are, there are some aspects of life that we absolutely know it's God's universal will. Here are some examples. It is God's will that you walk in relationship with Him. How do we know that? Because Scripture clearly says that it is not God's will that any perish, but that all come to repentance. Amen? We know that it's God's will for you to pray. Okay, how do we know that? Because the Word of God tells us that we are supposed to pray without ceasing. That we're supposed to have a, a, a disposition of prayer, that prayer is supposed to be a part of the ebb and flow of our day. Right? So, I don't have to wonder whether or not God wants me to walk in relationship with Him, because that's part of the universal will of God. There's every person in here, God wants you to walk in relationship with Him. Every person in here, God wants you to have a, a dialogue, to be engaging in, in, in daily dialogue with Him. I, I don't have to wonder whether or not I should read the Word of God, right? Because the Bible tells us that we are supposed to study to show ourselves approved. 
And so I know that's part of the universal will of God. I know that I'm supposed to have a, 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 an element of worship in my life. I know that I'm supposed to have an element of prayer in my life. I know I'm supposed to be uh, engaged in the word of God in my life. I know that I'm supposed to operate in healthy stewardship with the time, talent, and, and, and treasures that God has given me. Right? I, I, don't have to, I don't have to wonder about that. And so, I, I can, if, I, if I embrace that issue of the universal will of God, then what happens is it helps me to deal with the issues of the general will, okay? And what would I put in the area of general will? General will is this, God, as I'm navigating life, do you want me to get married or stay single? Okay, that's a fairly general question. And before I'm asking God, God, do you want me to marry girl A or girl B? I need to deal with the issue of the general will. God, is it, do you, is it your will for me to walk in a marriage covenant or do you want me to remain single? And before I can answer the question of general will, I've got to embrace the fact that God loves me and wants to talk to me. Do you see that? So that issue of universal will, general will, Specific will. So, here's the question I have for you today. You're asking God questions about things in your life. And you're frustrated because you don't feel like you're getting an answer from God. And you're struggling with knowing what God's will is. Here's an important exercise for us to engage in. God I'm seeking you for an answer to a specific issue, and it doesn't seem like I'm getting an answer to that issue. Is there something in the general will that you have for me that I'm walking in opposition to, or is there something that I have not embraced regarding your universal will? Because if I don't understand that God loves me and wants to talk to me, and if I don't understand that God has a plan for my life, then it doesn't make sense for me to ask God, God, should I marry girl A or girl B? Does this make sense? And so God wants us to walk in his will. And listen, God's will is not complicated. In fact, Romans 12, 2 tells us this, that if we simply posture ourselves the way that God wants us to posture ourselves, then we will be able to test and approve what God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is. Right? So we start with being conscious of his character. And then, and then we move from there to being committed to his plan. So Paul makes this statement to, to the church at Rome, and, and, and through the providence of Scripture, God speaks to us, and he says this, therefore, in view of God's mercy, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, for us, that's just a wonderful, maybe even a melodical statement. To the audience that Paul was writing, this is a significant, it's a significant thing that he's asked them to do right? It is, it is, it is a, a complete change in approach. The Romans were a very religious people. In fact, in the days of Paul, if you were to go to Rome, there would be a temple for Apollo. There would be a temple for, you could just go down the list. There'd be a temple for Juno. There'd be a temple for, for Mars. There were all these different temples, right? on Palatine Hill. There are all these different temples. Um, a, a temple for, um, for Augustus had just been finished. There was a massive temple. 
And there, there was this area, there was the, 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 the pantheon. Now, now the pantheon that we know, if you go to Rome today, the pantheon that is there, that was built after Paul, but it was built to replace a, 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 a temple, a pantheon that burned down. And so they had all these, had these temples for all these different gods, and then they had the, the temple for all of the gods, an all-inclusive temple. And so r- religious activity was was a regular part of their day. It would be rare that you would go to Rome and find somebody who was non-religious. Right? There, there, there weren't many Roman atheists per se. But, but religious activity and connecting to a God, it was, this, it was this ceremonial thing that you did. And as long as you appeased the gods, you could live however you jolly well please. Right? As long as I went and did the, 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 the customary sacrifice to the gods, I could do whatever I wanted. And to give a sacrifice was to, was to present something. To, to those who had a Jewish background, they knew this, that to present a sacrifice involved something going from life to death right? It was the killing of an animal. It was the shedding of the blood. And and this was true not just in Judaism. This was was a common practice in most religions. So, sacrifices brought about death. And so, when Paul says this, he says, what you need to do is this. In view of God's mercy, you need to present yourself as a living sacrifice. He said, you've got to shift the way that you do religion. In fact, you've got to get beyond the trappings of religion and understand this is an issue of an intimate connection with God. Because what you're doing is you're not bringing something to give to God, you are offering you. And it's not this, it's not this one-time act, right? For me to present an animal as a sacrifice, I would sacrifice that animal on the altar, it's a one-time act. Well, to present myself is a, that's a totally different issue, correct? And to present myself as a living sacrifice and to do that on a continual basis because we understand even in looking at the way that sentence is structured in the original Greek, it means this, to on an ongoing basis to give myself to God, to present myself as a living sacrifice to God. This is your reasonable response to what God has done for you. It's your reasonable expression of service. It's your reasonable expression of worship. This should be your approach to God. That changes things. It's so much easier for me to do this. It's so much easier for me to come in on a Sunday morning and, 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 and sing a few songs, clap my hands, you know, throw, throw a, a few coins in the offering plate, shake a few hands, and then go out and then live my life the way I want to live it. I've done my religious duty. I've, I've paid my time. I've paid my tithes. I'm good to go. I'm a good person, okay? I'm better than Bill who's at home asleep right now. Right? So I've checked, I've checked my religious box, I've checked my worship box, and now I can go and do my deal. 
And Paul says this, no, no, no. In view of God's mercy, in view of all that God's done for you, here's what you've got to do, is you've got to give God every dimension of who you are. It's not simply this token thing. It's saying, okay, God, here's me. Here is, here is who I am. And so this idea of, of presenting our bodies, presenting ourselves, it, it, takes, it takes this interaction with God from religious and ceremonial and even theoretical to very intimate and highly practical. It then begs another question. When I think about the issue of the universal, general, and specific will of God, God, where are the areas in my life where this thing is just, it's form and not function. It's, it's practice and not part of my being, right? Friends, God's will is not complicated. Let me say this again. God's will is not complicated, and God is not silent. God is not silent. Now, now here's, here's what I do find. I, I, I can only speak for myself. Uh, there are times in my life where I will ask questions and it doesn't seem like God's given me an answer. The vast, the vast majority of the time in my life when I ask God questions and it doesn't seem like God's given me an answer, it's, it, it's because God has already answered the question. Right? This week, this past week, on Tuesday, I wasn't feeling well. And I... Um, I said, you know what, I need, to, I need to eat something. And so I go and I, I eat my vegetables, right? And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not bitter, and, uh, but I'm eating my vegetables, right? Because I'm not going to ask you to do anything that I'm not going to do. And so I'm, 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 I'm in the midst of this Daniel fast and, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm feeling, eating doesn't make me feel better. It makes me feel worse, okay? And I'm, I'm actually, I'm in my car and I'm having this conversation both with myself and with God. I'm going, you know what? I don't feel well. I, I, here's the thing. The last thing, that, the last thing I need is to be in a hospital. I wonder if maybe I should break this fast and go to Wendy's. <laughs> Am I the only person that had this conversation this week? Right? And I go, I go, seriously, it's just, it's, 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 listen, Ed, you've told people that while we're doing this, because we really want to focus our attention on God, that it's never good to be legalistic, right? And even the Bible talks about you shouldn't, have, you shouldn't embrace in, in, in legalism, you know, and there are fasts that, 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 that don't honor God, and there are fasts that honor God. And so, it, how is getting, getting sick honoring God? This is, I'm having this conversation, right? So, I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, no, <laughs> Right? So, God, um, God, do you want me to go to Wendy's? I seriously, I prayed that this week. God, do you want me to go to Wendy's? Right? It's right there. Okay? And God, I, I believe, I see the sign. <laughs> Therein lies my salvation. And, uh, 
And God did not tell me yes. God did not tell me no. He didn't. So you know what I did? No, I didn't go get a Frosty. <laughs> See, God had, already, God had already given me the answer to that. When he said, Ed, I want you to call the church to a fast. I was asking God a question that he had already answered. And oftentimes what happens is we'll be asking God questions and, and we feel like God's not answering us. And the truth of the matter is this, is God's not giving us the answer that we want. And that's where our frustration lies. And so I'm, I'm irritated about not knowing the specific will of God because I'm pushing back on the general will. God, do you want me to walk in relationship with you? Universal will. The answer is always yes. God, am I supposed to go to college or am I supposed to just go into the, go into the workforce? That's a very... That's a general statement. God, which school do you have for me? Right? Now I'm getting into, into specific. If I ask God, God, which school do you want me to go to? And I've not reconciled, God, is this your plan for me? Okay? God's not going to say, okay, Ed, I want you to go to UCF when it wasn't God's will for me to go to college in the first place. Right? Parent, that would be like, that would be like a child saying to you, hey, do you want me to take the train or a plane to Atlanta? I never said that it was a good idea for you to go to Atlanta in the first place. Okay? So if I think it's a horrible idea for you to go to Atlanta, why am I going to comment on plane or train? It's just making sense to you. And so it's that issue of, of being, being, being conscious of God's character. I'm being committed to his plan, not my plan. And then, and then in that, we've got to be consistent in, in, in living our life in alignment with his principles. Right? That's what the beginning of, of verse 2 says in Romans chapter 12. It says, don't conform to the patterns of this world. God's ways are not as man's ways. And there's a way that seems right to man, but it ends in death, Scripture says. So, what I've got to do is this. Is I've got to recognize that here's what God has said is right, and here's what God has said is wrong. God, I need a I need an answer regarding my job. And God says this, why are you in a job that consistently puts you in a place where you have to compromise your character? So you're asking me whether or not you should take this job change when you're, when you're currently in a job that is so far out of the will that I have for you and you consistently have to rationalize and defend decisions that you're making that, 
that destroy your testimony. How do I know God's will? By being conscious of his character. And understanding that he loves me, being committed to his plan. God, I'm in. Whatever you want to do, I'm in. As I'm living it out, making sure that I'm living it consistent to his principles. And then finally, number four is this, is be completely yielded to him. God, here it is. My life, it, it is yours, okay? And I, I do, I yield this to you. So God, as I'm asking these questions about the direction you have, when I feel like you're telling me something that doesn't line up with what, you're, what I want, I'm not going to continue to ask you over and over again thinking I'm going to change your mind. Right? Every parent, we've been there, right? Dad, can I go to Billy's house? No. 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 Dad, I don't care. Just go. Let me, let me, let me help you out. God never goes, just go to Billy's house. Okay? Because God is consistent. He's going to go, no, I will never, I will never give you direction and I will never give you approval to do something that is not leading you down the best possible path for you. When we live our lives conscious of God's character, committed to his plan, walking with a consistency to the principles that we see in the Word of God and completely yielded to Him. See that, when it, when it says in Romans 12 too, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, it's not your job to bring about that transformation. That's the work that the Holy Spirit does. It's a transformative work as the Holy Spirit renews your mind. See, some of us are here this morning and we needed a reminder that God is crazy about us. Because we're struggling in our connection with God because we're afraid that God wants to smite us. Some of us, God brought us here this morning to challenge us in the area of commitment. That God doesn't want you to be just a part of your life. He wants to be engaged in all of your life. And it's that area that you haven't yielded him that is the pressure point for you. Anything that you haven't yielded to God is a God to you. For some of us, God brought us here to say to us, listen, with your mouth you say that you've surrendered everything over to me. And yet there are these principles in the word of God that you're not living by. in your habits, in your relationships, in your resource, in the activity of your day, in, in the attitudes of your mind. So he wants us to be completely yielded to him. And when we do that, here's what we find. 
that we have a firm understanding of God's universal will, which puts us in a great place to walk in his general will. And when those issues of specific will come up, you'll find this, that they will be consistently clear. And by the way, when you step on the line, God doesn't make you go back to start. He knew that was gonna happen and he says, okay, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna continue to move forward, okay? I give you grace. We're gonna continue to move forward. I give you grace. Continue to move forward. I give you grace. Listen, next Sunday, you're gonna be here next Sunday. Next Sunday, we're gonna talk about Mother May I. As we continue our series in Playground, we're going to talk about this issue of authority and, and, and properly positioning ourselves as it relates to authority. Recognizing how we should approach earthly authority in our life and the really cool thing about God's authority in our life. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. Know God's will for you. His universal, general, specific. Because universal, general, specific will, here's here's what you're going to find. God's will is good, it is pleasing, and it is perfect. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.